Welcome to Diving Board, a show about artists, the art they create, and the social and cultural issues they explore. I'm Bill Valerio, and I run the Woodmere Art Museum, and I'm here today in our galleries with Barbara Bullock, one of Philadelphia's great artists, and we're going to talk about an exhibition on view until May 17th, Africa in the Arts of Philadelphia. Bullock. Searles and Twin 77. These are three artists who came together under the roof of the Ile Ife Black Humanitarian Center starting in the 1960s. And Barbara is going to describe the spiritual glue that brought these three figures together. Charles Searles and Twin 77 died too young and Barbara is here to represent herself and describe what these two amazing artists brought to the conversation that they shared. Joining us is George Yevremovich, who's an artist in his own right, proprietor of material culture, and close friend and patron of Twin 77. My understanding is that you and Charles met twins in the context of a time in your lives when you were involved at the Ile Ife Black Humanitarian Center. And I wonder if you could just describe, like what was it like to meet twins? Well, the art department was established. You know, we had all these wonderful artists and a lot of people were coming through because you had the art department, dance department, music department, and drama department. So we had a lot of the entertainers at that time would just come through and it was like a mecca. But in the middle of that, we had visitors to the art department and Twin 77 was one of them. And I remember when he came, I guess we were probably in the program about a half a year. And he came in with Arthur Hall, it was introduced to us. And Arthur said, oh, he's also a prince. He's a prince. And we're like, okay, okay. We had seen some of his work. And, you know, he just talked to us about uh, Nigeria and Oshobo and the artists that were in that group. And I don't know, we were, you know, very comfortable together with I cannot really remember everything about that time. It was in the 60s. And I remember that he visited for a couple of days. We talked for a while, and he said he was an artist, a musician, dancer. We're like, wow, okay. So, but he, he had an exhibition at that time in New York City. We saw his work for the first time, really. I could see Charles was like so overwhelmed and inspired. And we just, we had never seen, I'm sorry, we had never seen anything like this before. No, never saw the colors or the, I mean, I have to say breathing when you look at a painting and you get a minute in some area where you can breathe, but it was like the spirits the animals, like the hybrid of all of these different forms was like, first time we were seeing this kind of culture, let's say. And this was the Yoruba culture. So everything Twins painted was his belief. You know, the stories, 
He could talk about his paintings, about the people, you know, celebrations. And all we could do was look. I realized that it was also at a time where we were as artists, and we were like really, and Charles had, had come out of the academy, and he was finding himself as an artist, you know. And we, we had been doing research on African art and trying to see how it fit into what we were doing. And when we saw Twin 7-7, it was like, this is really who we are. This is what we should be doing. We shouldn't be like leaving space in our paintings. We should be using all kind of colors. I mean, the mixture of all these different designs, whereas in our culture here, you don't mix those designs. And it was like so much freedom and so much power in his work. And so much work, that was the first thing I saw. Like, God, how do you do this? I mean, just fantastic. I mean, and that's not even a good word to use with his work. It's like very powerful, I mean, magic. That's what I had felt for a long time. And I know it influenced me, you know. And, uh, you know, we, he really wasn't there long enough as far as we were concerned. And this idea that you described of twins, when he shows a figure, what he's representing is the spirit of that figure. And I feel that that's what you do. And I feel the same way about your work as I feel about Twin 7-7. But you described that Twins was an influence on you. I'd love you to talk about your work. And we've got a painting I'd love to talk about from your Healer series, the Ethiopian figure with wings from Lewis Tanner Moore's collection that has entranced me since it arrived here at Woodmere. It usually lives in Florida. And I'd love you, Barbara, to take that you know, wherever that takes you. A lot was going on in the 60s. You have the civil rights, you have and a little bit after that, you have AIDS. I mean, all these different things were happening when I began working on the Healer series. And it was most natural for me to think we need to be healed. And coming from the African religion, which I was always researching and uh, the African culture, I began to think like, the next series I was gonna do was gonna be the Healer series. When I'm working, I do a lot of drawing, but I never think that one painting is gonna follow the other. It's like the way I feel, you know, how I feel at that time, all the experiences that you're going through. And Charles would feel the same way. When I started to do the Healer series, I was working on canvas, and then I started doing these acrylics on paper. And I remember thinking, this is not me. I'm gonna have to try to express this feeling in a different way. So I began, this was a painting, a large painting, and I cut it up. I woke up in the middle of the night, cut it up. <laughs> and I said, so the first thing I wanna think about are animals. And uh, Dr. Waltz, who lives in Germantown on Green Street, he was my animal doctor. And I dedicated that to him. So that was called the Animal Healer. 
Also, I remember, like, even with Twin Seven Seven, like, the fact that animals spoke for man, and a lot of the stories came through the animals. But I'm an animal lover, period. You know? So that was the first animal healer. And then, well, this piece, I have to admit, I'm going to be honest with you. When I worked on it, it terrified me. And I felt like I wanted to be honest with it. And so that every part of the body, this was the healer. This was a person who could heal. And he's holding this woman who is also a healer. Because you know, I always wanted to include the female. And then it was hard to, when you're working on a painting, I could tell you about it. I know with all the different shapes and all the forms on it felt right, and that's the way I could work with collage. It had to feel right. The shapes, the forms had to feel right. And going from that to the Ethiopian woman, it's like, let me put it like this. Charles Searles, when he paints, his movement and his paintings are like unbelievable. I mean, I painted alongside of him and I just watched him and he, his movement, he was very much aware of the dancers at Elaife. He would draw them, sketch them all the time. And I noticed when I look at my paintings, they're like standing straight, most of them, except for her. And that was because when I was in Ethiopia, I thought the beauty of the people was just, you know, I could just see the way they moved. The healing series, uh, how can I put it? At the time when I was working on it, I had some friends who had AIDS. And I remember doing this exhibition in, in someone's home. And they wanted the drawings, they wanted everything. And I remember that they let everybody know that I was doing a healing series. And they simply said healing. And people came and they wanted to be healed. I was like, oh my God, it was like it really, you know, when we sat and we talked, but I don't know if that's the power of art or what it is or how people feel like you, the pieces that you do can heal. I don't know. But it was really strange to me, but this series was very important to me. It's so fascinating to hear you speak these words, Barbara, because it seems so relevant to where we are today on this planet with climate crisis and so many terrible things happening on so many different levels on our planet, and we need healing. What's so interesting to me walking into this gallery with your work up on the wall with Charles's and with Twins's is that it seems so much to me an art about social change of claiming Africa as an identity and that the arts impact collectively all of this together because of Ile Ife and its social mission to inspire and to fortify and to heal, that that is an art of social transformation. Can you talk about art and healing and social transformation? I mean, does that sound right to you? I see it so much in your work, and 
I see it so much in that painting called Remembrance. I feel like I am witnessing transformation happening there. That to me is powerful. That's what we want museums to be able to do, to heal this world by providing experiences with art. And I feel that this exhibition is right at the center of that conversation. It's wonderful what you just said. <laughs> okay. It's so true. I always look at art like that, you know. And as an artist, when we're working, that's what happens to us, you know. Our experience, being able to express yourself and to say, this is how you feel. This is how you feel about someone about life, you know, the experiences that you have that are so, God, they're so powerful, just being who you are. A lot of times I feel like when I was working on this series, I felt, am I really able to do this? You know, I really want to be honest about this. So I felt like every time I would do a painting, that I stepped back from it and I was like, oh God, did I really do that? I mean, what, what am I really saying, you know? But I noticed that when people look at the work, they get a lot from it. With Charles Searle's work, it's like, it's so calming. It's like the color, the movement. I don't see that in all the art. I mean, I look at art every day. I go on YouTube and just look, and I think, God, our, his work, when you look at it, is so calming and beautiful, and you can understand it. People don't have to have someone explain it to them. It's a reaction that you get. It's like, wow. So when you look at his body of work, you know the kind of person he was, you know, and what was important to him as an artist. And I know he influenced me like that with Charles and all the, all of the artists that were coming out of the academy. I couldn't get away with anything, you know, like show them what joined, they go, Barbara, work on that, you know, like, so it was always like, they were my best teachers, you know. And Charles and I could just talk about anything, you know, and at Model Cities in the art department, we work with the children, and and we could tell this influence with Twin 7-7 was like this. He influenced us so much that in the art department, we would paint with the children, and we would say, okay, we're going to paint spirits today, and they would go, okay, and they would start painting, and we were like, mm, okay, wait. The children just started painting. They're like, spirits, fine, we know how to do this. And I felt like it was this wonderful experience working with the children, working with Charles. There was very little to think about. You just did it, you know. That was the freedom of that program also because of the artists that we really had to give. We had to give because of the community that we were in. And a lot of the children that would come to us, they needed to be healed, you know, and there was a lot of drugs there. I felt like the children got so much from that program. Barbara, I love the way you approached the question about art and social change and that you connected it 
to the way that this art, Twins' art, Charles's art, your art, and you're too modest to use yourself as an example, but I can, that you gave an assignment to children saying, we're going to draw the spirit. And let's talk about what this spirit is in terms of black Philadelphia, because you are bringing a vision of African spirit. You know, in 1960s, I mean, you mentioned the context of the civil rights movement. I mean, it was time of struggle for equal rights and demand for equal rights. And in order to do that, there had to be incredible, you know, fortifying of the soul. And I feel that, you know, for a city like Philadelphia, where, you know, the race problems, you know, have maybe changed, but they haven't gone away. <laughs> I mean, they maybe take a different form. They're maybe expressed in different ways, but we still have them. You, with Ile Ife, with the leadership of Arthur Hall, and, you know, maybe we can talk a little bit about his goals and, you know, his, you know, ability for dance and African dance specifically to be something that lights a spark inside of people. But this is about, you know, black Philadelphians not being defined by their skin color, but being defined by heritage. And there's very particular spirit to that heritage. And I think you've just kind of put your finger on that in such a powerful way and helping people understand identity and finding strength and spirit in identity to be able to move the world forward in a better way. That's what I believe this art does. Um, that's what I believe one of the main messages of the show is. I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. Most of the people that I'm around have come into this world with belief. You know, that's just how it is, you know. This system of belief is the way we were raised and the religions that we all have as black people. Although I was raised Catholic, I know I moved closer to Baptist because I love the music and I love the sound and I could understand what they were saying. It's so natural for us. It's so hard to, like, intellectualize your belief. You can't do it. Once you do that, you're messing with it. You can't do that. It's like you simply believe and respect. And when it comes to religion, you like sort of live and let live, you know, like your belief is totally different from mine. And I notice with all of my friends and communicating with them, it's a belief that's black and I can't explain it any other way. It's like the way you move, it's the way you go about your life or the way you see other people, that's a part of that. And the way you try to understand this world. And I think that when we were at Ile Ife, it was, God, it was like a Mecca, like I wanna say. And it was everyone that took part in it. We probably all had the same belief, you know, or the same belief system. And touching on Arthur Hall, when that program started, we were told, you've got to do your best. I will only accept the best from you. If I don't see it, you're gone. I'll fire you. You're out, you know. 
So therefore, this program was like we worked almost like day and night. It was like the program was our life, you know. The doors were always open to the dance department, and people would come, cars would pass and stop because you could hear the drums, you could hear the dancers. And Arthur began to, I know when I was there, I felt it was getting even stronger that he was traveling to Africa, he was traveling to Haiti and all these different places and diaspora places, and the dancers were getting stronger and learning. It was such a place you could learn so much about yourself, your culture, and I mean, as far as religion goes, I always felt like I'm not religious. I may be spiritual, but I'm not religious. There's a difference, you know. And I think that gave me a lot of freedom. And I do believe probably my religion was art. I loved it to be art. That was it, you know. And it seemed like I could feel that about Charles and about Mo Brook or all the artists that I know, you know. James Brantley, I mean, God, John Simpson. All of them came through the program and just, you know. That was a gift. Thank you for describing you know, the spirituality of this art, which is a, a key dimension of it. It's the heart of it, is the spirituality that it offers, and offers so generously. And through the beauty of color, form, patterns, characters that make us curious, that we want to know more, and that, you know, draws us into the particular paintings. That was beautiful. George, do you have any questions for Barbara? Probably a thousand, <laughs> but... <laughs> Well, you asked me, Bill, a question. If twins showed up here and saw the exhibition, what do you think he'd say or think? I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't know. But I think that there would be no empty spaces in here. He would desire that to happen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, he'd add more works to the show. <laughs> more, more, more works, yeah. right. And right. Um, he would definitely want music. And that's what you really miss. You know, I really miss Charles. I really miss twins. They're the ones that can tell you about what they do. And Charles, because I always listened to him, he would really talk about design and movement. But basically, he worked all the time, you know, even when we were together, he was always drawing and thinking and talking about being an African-American artist. And at that time, the 60s and 70s, we were basically looking for venues. Let's put it that way, there were no venues, you know. That's the reason why we do exhibitions in some centers and in homes. Whenever we were together, I would actually go to see him. I knew he had a studio on Germantown Avenue and in North Philly, I believe. And we would just talk about painting. You know, all of the artists at that time that had come out of the academy, John Simpson and a couple of other artists had studios in Center City on Market Street. Market Street, totally different Market Street now. But we talked about being African-American artists from 5 o'clock to 3 o'clock in the morning. We talked about our palettes, the colors that we used, the colors that we wanted to use. We wanted the reds and the yellows. The world didn't. 
we wanted to mix the designs and the forms, and we really want to talk about our experiences. And we actually communicated with Bearden and all of who were then, we were called the older artists. And Charles was very outspoken. He's a very strong artist. He was very outspoken. And when it came to Bearden, he argued with Bearden. I couldn't believe it. Like, Bearden, Charles. But he's like, um, there is such a thing as black art. And that was the big question at that point in time. And so knowing him, I know that the work that he loved and the work that he really admired was really strong work, really about color and being brave about it. And he loved dancers. I know he loved dancers. Yeah, Barbara, amazing. It's so interesting because thinking about Charles coming out of the Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts, we have an early work by Charles in the collection. It's a figure of a boxer, a figure in profile, African-American man, muscular guy, so an athlete, and the figure is very expressive. If I saw this work of art on the other side of the planet, if I was in India or China or, or Africa or wherever, I would know that it was an artist who came out of the Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts because it's that kind of you know, realism that comes from drawing, that comes from the kind of atmospheric sense of the figure and its environment that we get from Thomas Aikens and that has been handed down through the generations at the Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts. Did Charles give you new ideas about color in your own work? Because it must have been a very big transition from him. I mean, hearing you describe it, coming from the Academy and creating the kind of work that he made after he visited Africa, must have been a very powerful transition for him. We work so differently from each other. You can see we really worked differently. I can see like even you know with the forms and and the way we use the color but with Charles it was like brilliant. I mean it was the way he planned his paintings and the way he he mixed his colors and I have a painting that he gave me that um, someone said it wasn't really finished and I look at it and always gonna hold on to it because I did let one go that broke my heart. You know, with every artist, like, we have our own way of going into our work and knowing that it becomes our style or it becomes the way we think. You know, when you look at Charles, you can see how he feels so much about everything in that culture. Like he goes from the fabrics, the fibers, to the jewelry, to the hairstyles and he works with them and he creates his own hairstyle using his imagination, using the form and everything moves the way he wants it to move. In this painting I'm looking at, I can see like at the top of it, it's almost like a screen, like a performance and that was when we were at Ile Ife, that's what we had. We had so much performance, you know, because that's what Arthur did. That's so very interesting that you're making reference to the two large paintings of dancers, each with two dancers in them. And I've always noticed that above them and below them are patterns that look like fabrics. And what you're describing is that these are 
not just depictions of dancers, but depictions of dancers performing for others. And the edge of the curtain is what tells you that and brings you into the philosophy, the religion, as you described it, of Ile Ife, which was about performance, which is about sharing. And I can see that with his dancers, he really created these wonderful paintings of dancers that included everything from the clothing to the color to movement. And with myself, I know that I was going in almost in another direction, but at the same time, we're working together. I'm doing healers. That's where my head is, you know. And I remember, like, looking at a lot of Charles' drawings, they were of life on the street and a life also on Germantown Avenue where we were working, you know. Now, with twins, you have, even though we're all related there, we feel like we're all related there. Here you have multiple spirits and animals and... I mean, you know, like you could look at the painting that is behind you. You could look at that and five years from now, you're, you're going to see something different. You know how some artists can do a painting. It's just one person and maybe the background and, and everything. With Twin 77, he was always painting humanity. He was painting people and animals and so much. And I talk about my healer, I should say something about the healer, because I, I remember when they came to get the guardian spirit. I have, in my studio, I always had like a, a sort of a altar. I had one for my mother, and when I moved into Green Street Artist Co-op, I had never set it up yet, you know, but I still have everything there. With the guardian spirit, I felt like at a time that I needed a guardian spirit. And I knew that I was able to do this, which really, I never thought about it until later when someone asked me, um, how could you create an altar? You know, I felt like uh, we all create, I don't know anyone on this planet who does not have an altar, you know. And I felt like, okay, I'm going to build this piece. And I was working at Arthur Hall at the time and when he went to Nigeria, he bought bells back because I was collecting a lot of bells from all over the world. And friends that would come from Africa would bring things to me, which are all included in that sculpture that is there. And it's leaning. It always leaned. I went to the ocean, and I collected all these rocks. They had to be rocks that were in the ocean because I wanted it to sit by itself. And then I collected leather and fabric, and I batiked, and I covered the inside, and I added things to it. And then I had this jute, this wonderful jute. I think it was from Mexico. And I know it had a warning on it. I paid it no mind. But I, I just, and the hair, it was really full. And I was trying to, I had this, um, what do you call it? Uh, oh, sorry, plastic cord that you use that you can burn off the tips, and you can... Right. In summer camp, I remember, yeah. Oh, yeah, and I was, like, trying to tie something onto the hair, and the whole thing went up in flames. Oh. I, I had a match, and I was trying to tie, and it went, whoosh, it just went up in flames. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. And 
I ran in the kitchen and I kept coming out with buckets of water and I'm throwing it on it. And the cats are like, because the kitchen door was open. They were out. They left. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I'm going to burn this house and I can't believe it. And then finally I was able to put it out. The owner of the house came by and I was like, oh God. I kept going to the window to make sure there was no smoke because then they called a fire engine and I was really going to... So I came in and I said to him, I'm so sorry, you know, there was a little fire here, which I should have never said because he never even knew it. And he picked it up and he took it outside and he set it down. And he said, let's let it be out here for a minute to make sure everything is okay. And I thought, God, he was so good to do that. And then the hair, that's the reason why it's so shorter hairs. But I worked on it for years. I would add things to it, you know? And I felt, I don't know, I really felt very close to it. And that was just a natural feeling for me, you know? Uh, when they came to pick it up here, the first time, I never let it out of the house because I felt like, you know, so personal, you know? But I just wanted to say that it is an altar. That story changes the way I'm going to see that work of art forever. It's amazing to hear that, Barbara. Thank you for sharing that, which is very personal. I have to ask you, Barbara, to talk about the painting Remembrance and that figure in the trance at the center and the dancer figures on either side. The, I, I believe the title is Remembrance, the figure with the yellow costume and there's the snake around the body. Is that called Remembrance? That's remembrance, yeah. Basically, it is a female figure, and it has, basically, I was thinking ancestral, and I was thinking female, and the container that she has contains knowledge, contains secrets, and basically, it's a female painting, and I guess she can almost be like a shoon, but it's like the knowledge that she has as a female. And all the serpents that you see around her are part of that whole, like, living ritual. Yeah, and, it, and she is in the shape of a container, meaning that she contains this knowledge. It's the knowledge that we have that's so natural for us to have. I feel this has been an amazing conversation, and this is just so very rich. Thank you, Barbara. I found this conversation powerful, moving, and informative, and inspiring as we approach the challenges of our own lives today. I hope everyone listening will come to Woodmere to see Africa in the Arts of Philadelphia, and will check out our website for the many programs in dance, in music, in fashion, as well as lectures that illuminate more about this very powerful exhibition with a strong social dimension and program. The exhibition is on view until May 17th. Thank you to Stephanie Marutis of Cavender Media, dedicated to narratives of social change, and I hope you'll subscribe to Diving Board. <laughs>